one day I see this Lamborghini parked outside, the black one, the keys still in, the car running, but no one in the car. I've never done this surgery before. You're gonna go into the medical books as if this ever needs to happen again, this is what you do. Yeah, it, I was good at the sport, but like it wasn't in there. I actually was in the ring with, with you know, fighting the fight before Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora number one. I'm walking in, I'm like, oh, there's sir, whoever, blah, 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 hello, hello. And then Matthew McConaughey walks through the door. Having no direction in my life, I went to a very, very dark place. And one night was a big night for me where, you know, I may not be sitting here today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for coming, mate. Very, very, uh, it's my pleasure to be here, finally. But yeah, finally, exactly, <laughs> long overdue. Definitely. So Chris, um, you know, we've got actor, we've got boxer, we've got business owner, and then we got back things. to acting. Where, yeah. where did it all begin for you? It all began for me, uh, probably when I was a kid, about seven, eight years old, I just, you know, fell in love with acting. And really, I didn't fall in love with acting as much as more being a showman and just make, trying to make people laugh and stuff and the comedy element to it. I was a little bit of a naughty kid and I was very cheeky. Uh, went through school and, and, you know, church as well, you know, putting on sketches and stuff and, you know. That's where you would do most of it, would you? Yeah, stories of the Bible and that every Sunday after, you know, the, the main, you know, uh, uh, service would would oh the kids have a presentation for you and we'll we'll make people laugh and stuff but obviously biblical um, but then through school and through my secondary school that was it was just all acting I loved it I loved acting to you know yeah, passion, you became did, a passion did you well in it I did um, I actually have a, a really nice uh, sort of um, how can I put this award. Uh, I got 100% in my GCSE, and I was the first ever to get that in my secondary school, well, which I got an award in the borough for you know my GCSEs, and I went to a theatre school uh, because of that, uh, and we put on a big production in the area and stuff. So it was really good. I was you know I was very confident at that time, and that's what I wanted to pursue. I wanted to be an actor at that uh, time. And was your like mum and dad always quite supportive of that? Yeah, do you know what, to be fair, I've had a really great um, support from my parents in anything we've ever done, like all, all my siblings, uh, whatever we wanted to do in life, they would really kind of support us with it. Mm -hmm. They weren't very forceful with like which direction to go in, uh, whatever our passion was, uh, and acting was mine. I was very academic. I used to get very worried with exams. I'd have to have complete silence. Uh, and study, uh, you know, and, when, and I was very worried about not getting good, good qualifications or, yeah. you know, grades. You always took it quite seriously. Out of all my siblings, mm -hmm. when it got to GCSE level and A level, I got like the best grades out of my siblings. But then my eldest brother took it much further than me, like university, master's, PhD. Oh. I, I stopped at A levels. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you've all done really well in, in some way, shape or form, to be fair. But Thank you. I, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so what was your first um, acting career or so job. i so i wanted to be an actor um i done it for a levels theater and i got you know really good grades uh with that too but at that time i sort of wanted to know how the acting world was so i was a background artist or an extra back in the day they don't they don't call it that anymore but um i've done some really really big films like casino royale when you know the plane explodes i was 
the guy doing this. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. come on, yeah, <laughs> get out yeah. the plane. Come <laughs> and then the, the plane explodes. Uh, I've worked with Brittany Murphy, God rest her soul. Yeah. But, um, you know, she was really lovely at the time. and uh, That was sad what happened to her, wasn't I was it? very sad. And when I heard that news, I had a really big crush on her from back yeah, in the day, was, sister, yeah, sister. She, yeah, when eight, she was in Eight Mile as well. I eight Mile. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, even younger, like clueless. Like, I know this is an old film. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, she was so cute. She was really cute in that. And I was very young. Because what happened with her? Did, was it her partner that died first or did... Do you know what? I'm not 100% sure about her partner, but I know she had some plastic surgery or something, or surgery, I think. Yeah. And then she uh, took painkillers and that. And I think she passed away in the shower, I believe. Right, I well, can't remember correctly, but yeah. I remember hearing something about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really sad. But, you know, I've worked with so many big actors and like Paul Rudd, Michelle Pfeiffer. What was Paul uh, Rudd's... Uh... He it was like he never really spoke to anyone. It was more like you know, again, when you're a background artist or an extra, like you're very this and the like yeah, us yeah, and yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you eat on separate buses. You know, I see you it now as an actor. Not, to talk, not uh, you yeah, you're told, told really to not to, to disturb to the actors and stuff. But funny enough, as an actor now, I talk to everyone on set, like everyone, whoever they are, yeah. doesn't matter. So it was weird because I was once them, and now I'm an actor I'm on the other side however I just I talk to everyone yeah yeah. You know? build, they're building like healthy relationships yeah of course there's nothing networking. there's no difference between us whatsoever mm -hmm. we just I just pursued the role of acting and I, I, I caught a role that's all but um, yeah that no, was really good so that's the way I kind of learnt the craft of like what happens on set and that the protocol and things like that but then that's when I you know when I was doing my A-levels and I was doing my theatre studies I, I found boxing but I found boxing late in life um, How old were you? I was 17 when I walked into a boxing club. And, that, but, and that's considered late? Oh, uh, yeah, it's very late. It's, yeah. like, it's an athlete, isn't it? Usually you're like seven years old when you start something like that or, or you know, younger. Uh, but I... But there has been success, um, some successful boxers that have started later as well. Yeah, of course, especially yeah. today. Especially yeah. today. That was very old school back in the day where you start like six years old and you have like 50 fights before you get to senior level. But now because of TV and, you know, science and things like that, people get you know people could go further quicker right you know right. have less fights and things like that but um again i was late even though we were a very boxing family like would stay up and or go to bed and wake up at four or five to watch tyson nasim hamid you know barrera all these big fights holyfield back in the day um i i kind of learned the sport very quickly because i'd been watching it growing up like my dad was he, he loves boxing mm. so, so it so right why, why why did you actually choose boxing at that period of time? I know it obviously you got the influence mm. around you, but knowing that you had a passion for big decision because again I'm I'm an all or nothing guy. I believe, believe like yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was at the one time when I was 17. I was doing my A levels. I was I was like boxing and acting, and I fell into boxing because well I started boxing because I had an altercation on the street outside my college. And it, I felt like it wasn't even a fight. They didn't even like there was nothing thrown. But I felt really mugged off, and I felt like I need confidence. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a confident guy, but I need you know res conflict resolution confidence, mm. like where I could stand up for myself. And I just felt like he mugged me off in front of a girlfriend at the time. And uh, I went home, and my dad was like, you know, I'm going to take you to a boxing club. And then that's when I went to Harringay Boxing Club in Tottenham. I started and I started and I learned really quickly. Like I picked it up really, really well and, and the coach was really impressed and he was like, you know, you can fight for us. We'll give you six months, you'll have your first fight. And that was it. It was like the spark was, was born. Um, my dad said he'll support me, whatever I want to do. What, what was it mm. like? Be, do you know what? It's quite funny because you were like, 
in this kind of like acting environment, it's a completely different environment yeah, to a boxing yeah, yeah. club in Tottenham. What was that like? Um, it's very different. I mean, you know, acting is a bit of a luxury, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you treat it really well, stuff like that. Again, I wasn't really acting too much in terms of like professionally, I was doing more theatre and uh, A-levels. So I, w I never had that luxury lifestyle of an actor yeah, yet. I didn't yeah. really taste that yet. Mm. Um, so when I when I went to the boxing club and they were like, you know, do you want to fight for us? I was like, well, yeah, I kind of do. I, it kind of grew on me. I had to say to myself, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to be an, an actor or do I want to be a boxer? Because one one night I was, I was doing a, it's gonna sound really, made me sound so old, but I was doing a Mick Hucknall <laughs> music video and it took, uh, we had to get that 6 a.m. and it finished at 4 a.m. the next, like, the next oh, day. Wow, that's a, so it was a long day. Shit. Because I was in the scene that they had to film last, I had to stay because of continuity, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm there. So like my foot was seen. So like, no, you can't <laughs> leave yet. So I wasn't wrapped. So basically I stayed up late and then when I went training the next day, I kind of got beaten up a little bit in, inspiring yeah and i was like nah man I, I can't do this i have to choose you know it's I have one to be or the other yes yeah, one or the other at one stage i was a boxer actor and then i decided it's just too hard to juggle too hard and then i just said do you know what boxing is a young person's sport i'm going to give boxing everything i'm going to turn pro i'm going to do it. i'm going to i'm going to go all the way and acting i can always come back to it later in life and what did you always have that kind of belief from the beginning that you wanted to Go the distance with yeah, boxing. Yeah, because why would I want to do anything? Like, why wouldn't I? Like, if I want to, you know, uh, be a business owner, I want the best business in the world. If I want to be a boxer, I want to be a world champion. If I was going to be a footballer, I was going to be playing for a top tier team and, you know, win the World Cup. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's my the mentality. Mark. I want to be the best of the best. Um, not because of ego, just because I want to achieve something in my life. Yeah, see, I you, know? you can take something. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. So, so, so what happened? You went straight into being an amateur? Yeah, so I had no idea about the amateur world. I didn't know how big it was. I just thought you train, 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 and then you turn pro. But there was this whole amateur world that I had no idea about. So I went into it and they're like, okay, you're fighting in, in this month, whatever. I fought, I won really well. Okay, you're fighting in two weeks. Okay, soon. Okay, yeah, training for that, fight, win. And I started winning and racking the wins up and then for like two years as an amateur I was undefeated and I was like one of the best in my gym and you know um, I was going for gold medals winning them going to Sweden winning it and I just kept winning because I was so dedicated to to my sport and you know I won, won the ABAs 2006 uh, you know and then sorry and, and it just you know uh, snowballed yeah, after that yeah, and then yeah. I always said I want to turn pro by the age of 23. I started boxing at 17. What, what, what would you say your toughest amateur fight was? Can you remember it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is a bit of a weird one. Uh, this was in the uh, the ABAs the following year. I fought um, Darren Barker's brother. Um, and it was, he, he, had, he had a lot of fights and he was southpaw as well. I had 14 or 15 fights. He had, um, he's the Gary Barker, by the way. Um, he had uh, about 70 fights and he fought for Repton. 70 fights. But he was brilliant. Like, he was like, how maybe, you know, he couldn't touch the guy and he had perfect range. And, and I've always remembered to this day and I lost to him and it was really upsetting. And I wanted a, a rematch as you do and stuff. But sadly, two weeks after we fought, he, he died. Did he? He died in a car crash and God rest his soul. And Darren Barker, man, he, what a legend he is. He's such a lovely guy. I see Darren now and then he lives locally and what a lovely family they were, what well, they are. 
Um, I remember going to his funeral and everything, and it was just a bit of a weird sadness because how, how I old, fought the guy. Yeah, how you old would he have been? Uh, back then, I fought him when I was like, I want to say 20, about, about 20 years old, around that sort of yeah, time. Yeah. He would have been an amazing professional fighter, world champion. I mean, Darren's a very good boxer. He became world champion. And Gary Barker at that time, I think people would say he was on par, if not more technical than his brother. I don't know, but he was a brilliant fighter. And that was sad because I... You know, I fought the guy, I shared the ring with him, and then two weeks later, he passes away. So, yeah, yeah that was weird. It was a weird thing. But it's a, it's a, it's a funny old sport, um, mm. boxing, isn't it? It's like you can be the safest as you possibly can be, but you've got also, it's quite a high-risk sport as well. Uh, of course it is. You're, you're punching someone in the head. It, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? For a living. Um, you know, people say, you know, you, it's your brain. It's, you know, don't get, don't get hit in the head. Footballers get, you know, brain damage or whatever, they, whatever there is from head, heading a ball. We're doing it every day, sparring, sparring, sparring. Sparring is where the damage happens, not fights, funny enough, because you're sparring every day with head guards on and you're taking punches, but you're taking dull punches that don't knock you out, but you can take it for round after round after round after round. And that's that's why sparring you really need to be careful with because sparring needs to be controlled. Yeah. You can't have too many wars. You know what I mean? Like in a in a, in a watch your ego in the of course the yeah, but you have to have a good coach because a boxer will never turn down a spa or they never usually do. Or in the next you do another round and a boxer will be like because they don't want to turn a fight down, they don't want to look like the like you know a, a pussy or whatever. They want to look a wuss, so they're like yeah, yeah, I'll have another round. But a coach, that's when a good coach needs to step in and be like no no no, he's done for today. Oh, so okay. then the blame goes onto the coach. Yeah yeah yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and the I boxer doesn't need to speak. That that's that's a good coach, someone who looks after. Yeah, it guides their fighter mm. rather than just yeah. letting them go straight to war all the time. Exactly. You can only have a few wars in your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but he was, my, going back to the question, Gary Barker was probably my toughest amateur fight. Yeah, was honest. it? Yeah. So so, so what happened? Um, so it was how many amateur fights, sorry? I had 40 amateur For, fights. About 40? Yeah, around um, 35 wins. 35. Uh, because I went into it late, every single person I fought had more experience than me. Did they? You know, yeah, I had like 16 fights and this Russian had 100 fights that I was fighting in the internationals or in Sweden. I was always put into the, the, like, the best uh, bracket, the best division, open class. You know, we, you'd be fighting someone with 200 fights, mm, you know. Which is quite incredible because you would assume that experience... Mm. Like if they've got 200 fights, they're very well experienced, they're exactly. very confident. And I think the biggest range uh, that I, I fought, I had, I think, 16 fights and this Russian came over, I fought in Cyprus and he had about 120 fights and a lot of knockouts on his record. And thank God I didn't want to know his record before I fought him because I was a, I'm a thinker and I overthink yeah, yeah. and I used to get really nervous and anxious. So they told me after the fight, oh, by the way, he's knocked out like 90 yeah, people. Yeah, really. So, yeah. What, so what would you do? Would you just try and, like avoid knowing certain information about fighting. I didn't want to know anything about my opponent. Nothing? Yeah. Uh, not I always fighting styles or anything like no, that? No, I left it to my coach. Okay. My coach would look at them. Amateur, you don't really get that luxury of knowing how someone fights before you step in the ring with them. Mm -hmm. You get in the ring, first time you've seen your opponent and you fight. That's amateur. Like, unless it's like a finals or something where you yeah. know you're going to possibly fight someone who's got a bit of a name. Established. Established. And then, then you'll know. But... My coach would be like, listen, we're fighting Repton or we're fighting this club. They're very good. They're very technical. That's This is the style of fighting. And then I just take it for, from there yeah, and I'll train for it. Yeah, fair. You and know, who, who was your coach? So I was at Haringey Boxing Club uh, my whole amateur career. Um, so uh, Chris Hall was my first 
um, trainer. He's a professional trainer as well. And he was the one who kind of sparked it all off for me. Uh, Brian John uh, is a police club. So it was a police funded club. Oh, okay. um, and Jerry Wilmore, he was an active police officer. So um, I fought for the police, like essentially. And then it was police versus SAS a few times. So it was like the police would, teams would go up and fight but against the SAS. SAS. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I'm sure that was a good so experience. It was surreal because, uh, yeah, one, I fought at Hereford. SAS space yeah. and no one was allowed to go in there apart from the fighters because they're, they're all SAS and no one should know who they are in the world, oh, right? Oh just in case. So we fought in front of just them and basically it was no one from support for us. Oh, wow. It was a completely hostile crowd, like Rocky in Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this that's was a hostile right. crowd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I walked out with a biggest smile on my face. I was walking to the ring with a smile and some guy went, what's he smiling about? What's he really? smiling about? Yeah, and I was like, I just, I loved being the underdog or about to show people your boy is going to get in the ring with me. Like, what's what I do? Like, in a confident way. Yeah, like, I was yeah. like, because I, I had a bit of a American style. You know, I, was, I never had that British style. And because and, that's where, from- Where did you pick that up? TV, America, uh, the fights in Las Vegas, Tyson, uh, Roy Jones, Oscar De La Hoya. These fighters are like my favorite fighters. Because you trained at uh, the Mayweather gym for a while as well. Was I that did, but previous to that, it was at the Wildcard in LA. And I trained there for a, a month solid. I had what's Freddie Roach. The World Card is the best, one of the biggest clubs in the world of the name. Freddie Roach is the the head coach there. He was Manny Pacquiao's coach. Oh, boy, boy. Miguel Cotto, Amir Khan at one stage. Like Tyson, he's done. He's done. He's had a lot. He's about like twenty five to thirty world champions. Oh, so training there and sparring those guys was like next level. Um, yeah, okay. you know. So that was great. But then I picked up that style. Then I, you know, I trained at the Mayweather gym, picked up their style. I was very good at picking up styles, but it was mainly American and the Hispanic that, style. That you were more, yeah, more yeah. Not really the British style. I didn't like to get hit. British people like to, don't mind getting hit. Ricky Hatton. That weren't my style. I didn't want to get hit. I didn't want to take a punch to give a punch. No, because you maneuver. I'm a you, mover. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, my, my dad always drummed it into my, into my mind. The word was elusive. Elusive. Be elusive. And I always had that in my mind. Speed, um, range, you know, um, outsmarting my opponent more so than than out uh, muscling them. Yeah, yeah, you know? I hear that. Did you um, did you ever get to meet Mayweather? Or? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did I you? Did what was he like? An interesting individual. <laughs> he is what he is. He is what you think he's exactly yeah. like. You know, he had his Lamborghini parked outside one day, and I was going to spar in. Well, we were driving to the Mayweather gym um, in Chinatown in Vegas. I was there for a few weeks. So, you know, I made friends with all the guys. And then one day I see this Lamborghini parked outside, the black one, the keys still in, the car running, but no one in the car. I'm like, okay. So Should I, I just in. take it? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was walking in there and then it's packed. And this is actually um, just after Mayweather did a little bit of time uh, for whatever he'd done. And then um, he, I said hello to him and if I could get a photo and stuff like that. And the 50 Cent was there as well. Oh, when they were so friends. They, when they were mates. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was there and then, you know, it was like a you know business as usual kind of thing. I was never really starstruck with anyone. I never really have been because it's my job. I'm, I'm a pro boxer as well. Like they're colleagues in a way. So I wasn't starstruck, but it was surreal. More so I think seeing 50 Cent because he's, he's <laughs> a rapper. It's different, but yeah. it's a different world, isn't yeah, it? Mayweather, yeah. I'm like, well, he's a boxer, I'm a boxer. <laughs> But it was surreal. And, you know, uh, the Mayweather gym was, again, hostile to begin with. 
they don't know who you are. They, they yeah, want to spar course. you. You got to prove yourself. Hundred percent. You have to. You, yeah, you have to earn your stripes there. At the end of the day, they call it the doghouse, don't they? And you're sparring. And every, the first few days, because I had that style of boxing, they weren't expecting it. And um, I don't know if you know Jake Paul's trainer. Um, one of his trainers is Jay Leon Love. Right. He boxed for the American team. When I was in Romania and I was boxing for Cyprus, he was boxing for America. And that's where we met. And then I saw him at the Mayweather gym. So I kind of, I had an ally in there. Yeah, and yeah. I went, oh, yo guys, this is, this is Chris. Great boxer, da da da. I was like, good, I've got a friend in it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then I got my stripes, and then I, I became part of the kind of team, Family, the TMT, yeah. you know, yeah. which was amazing. And yeah, that was really great. And I picked up this a bit more of this. How, how did you get into that? Like, that my dad picked up the phone um, and said, "Look, I've got a welterweight or light welterweight at the time. You know, he wants to come and do some training there, some sparring." Just literally rang him up. Yeah, they they checked me out. And they saw a few fights. We had to send them like a little bit of footage of me sparring. And then he was like, yeah, yeah, come down. Cornelius is the the kind of the caretaker, the manager of the gym. Okay. Uh, I think it's Cornelius. I may be wrong. It may not be Cornelius. Yeah. Maybe someone else. But it, it, was that, that, like, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It may not be Cornelius. It might be something else. It'll come to me. But he even write that down. And then, um, yeah. And then the it was rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. And then I went back again following years. How, how long would you normally train out there for? Two, kind of two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. oh, not too bad. And the we... first time I was staying in one of the hotels on the Strip, oh. the Luxor. So basically I was living in a hotel of like gambling and at that oh, time wow. they could was smoke and all that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a bit mental to be honest. <laughs> I'm walking through with like my sweaty clothes on my big bag, just walking through. I made friends with the staff there. It was like part, I was like part of the, you know, the, the, the crew and yeah, you know yeah. I mean? the staff. And were you with dad or were you when you were? I was with my dad, yeah. yeah so I was with my dad for the two weeks and I, I need, you need to, you need someone there in your corner. You can't just be there. Otherwise you could become like cannon fodder and, you know, if you're not feeling it that day and they get you to spar and you kind of get like, you know, mm. you don't do your best. You need, you need your trainer there. You need your manager there to like make sure everything's good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really cool experience. Yeah. So, so, so what happened, um, so... What happens, is that when you went into becoming a pro? Yeah, so that was, um, <clears throat> so the wild card was when I was about to turn pro. That's actually when I, just before I had a, that, I had a bad injury. My last amateur fight, I popped, uh, not to be graphic, but popped a tendon off my bone um, because it was weak. I had like four fights in like five days or maybe more, five fights in five days or something. I, I went on gold medal in Sweden, flew back to England, traveled to Liverpool to have the European title uh european tournament fought came up against germany and i'm winning the fight and he's southpaw left-handed so usually your right hand more i popped my right hand forward bang i hit my right on the forehead and i felt something pop in my hand and i didn't think anything of it didn't feel it and then i went to hit him again with the right hand and that's when the electrocution just electric shot just went up my arm i was like uh oh i've done something and then i was one-handed I never had my right hand, which is your main hand against a left-hander. Yeah, yeah. And I lost a fight by like two points or something ridiculous. And I was, you know, I was so gutted. And then I had to have emergency surgery because my tendon was off the bone. They've never done this surgery before in history. So they were like, this is literally to save your boxing career. Mr. Cohen was my surgeon. And he said, look, I'm gonna do this operation for free, which, which is really kind of him. But he said, the reason I'm doing it as well for free is because I've never done this surgery before you're going to go into the medical books as if this ever needs to happen again, this is what you do to all the doctors. You were the first test yeah, subject. Yeah, I was the test subject. Then you see my arm, with the pit, they took photos. They? See my hand, my arm open, like the, the wrist. Yeah. They, they put the tendon back on the bone. 
and drilled it through and pinned it to the top of my hand. So you could see a scar at my top. There was a metal pin there. So I could just flex my wrist oh, back wow. up again. And then, and then that kind of saved my boxing career. However, that metal pin caused a lot of problems. It was always a bit of a weak spot after that. Yeah, and I always had a weak right hand going, uh, that was before I turned pro. So that I always had a weak right hand going into any fight. And I never told anyone this because they never wanted to be that boxer with excuses. I thought I chose to fight. I didn't need to choose to fight. But because I did, I was like, suck it up and just train and get through it. You know, yeah, I didn't want to have that. I didn't want to say, oh, I broke my toe. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and you obviously yeah. had a big passion for it because, mm. you, you know, after an injury like that, you could be like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. But no, you I mean, clearly weren't. Yeah, this this hand's been through through war. I broke <laughs> it. I cut another tendon in my knuckle. Did you? Would you say that that was that probably was... like the hardest part of the whole boxing journey you went Injuries. on? Injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the first tendon problem on my knuckle was the first injury I had. They actually said I'll never box because I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger back down again after surgery because they shortened my tendon. But then I was like, no, 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 that's not happening. Massaged it every single day. And then I could make a fist. And they were like, well, yeah, you can box now. <laughs> I was like, cheers. <laughs> you know what I mean? After telling me my career's over before it started. But then I went back into training and then that went, went and then I went back into training. Then they took the pin out because that was causing me problems surgery back into training and then the career ending damage or injury was when i broke my bone for the first time I've ever broken a bone so, so you were pro at this point i was pro and my like well two fights previous uh before my last the, the second from my last fight um that's when i broke my hand in in the first round against uh a very very tough polish guy um sleb i can't remember how to pronounce his name bless him um I'd have to get it. But um, he, he was tough. He was tough. He used to do like four rounders with people because no one wanted to do any longer with him because he was such a tough fighter. Hard hitter. Hard hitter, hard heads as well, clearly. And in the first round of that fight, I was with Don Charles. He was my trainer. And I brought my hand in the first round. And I was like, I went back to the corner. I was like, <laughs> he gets in the ring and he's like, right, you got to do this. I was like, Don, <laughs> I've broken my hand. And he's like, which one? I said, my right hand. Use your like, left. <laughs> yeah. He goes, okay, use your left hand. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm carrying on. Okay, okay, we're doing this. So I had to switch it to, uh, you know, get it in my head, like round by, you know, I had to take it round by round. And then he was giving me instructions to do. Don was a really good motivator. And, and Don was... Um, Daniel uh, Dubois. Daniel Dubois. Tra uh, trainer. Trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the it? weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then it, Derek Chisora for many years. So Don Don's knows his stuff. He's very good. He's a great, great he's trainer. Quite a, he's quite like, he really hypes you. Oh, he does. He, he's a hype man. He's really good. And he was like, come on, you're, gonna, you're not leaving today without a title. I don't care. You're going one-handed against this guy. You're better than him. Da, 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 da. So he was... Big like we that. All, we all need someone like that. You all need someone like that in your life. But there's one thing that happened on in the middle of the fight, which I'll never forget, is four years prior to that fight, I was training at the wild card. And in the first spa I had there, I hurt my right hand and I couldn't throw it. And I went back to the corner and, and Freddie Roach and Jesse Reed, who are amazing trainers, I said, guys, I've hurt my hand. Like, do I do you want me to carry on? And, and they were like, of course you carry on. I was like, okay. And it was like, <laughs> this might happen in a fight. You might be one-handed in a fight. Mm. And I always remembered that. And they told me how to be one-handed. Like, how, what do I do? Go more side on? Yeah. You know, keep your feet moving and use your jab, pop your jab, get the left hooks in when you can. If you're close, snap an uppercut, get back. Like, they're really telling me so technically how to do it. Because you've got to put a lot of trust in your trainer as well, wouldn't you? Like, uh, Yeah, like, I mean, your trainer's like, 
your your second dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hundred like, percent. Because you know they could lead you down a good path, or you mm. know it's probably not. It, it wouldn't be the first time that they've probably been led down there. Exactly, the, and they're experienced trainers. They've they've had world champions, so they they've gone through people getting injured in fights and carried on. But then it came back to present day at the time, the title fight, and, I, and it all came back to me, and I and I literally remembered everything they said. And then with Don's help, his guidance, and his motivation as well, like together, like I had a, a strong team to win that title that night, and and I won the belt that night after the it was a, went the distance, and I won on points, one handed, and then Don gets the mic in the ring. I just want everyone to know <laughs> he broke his hand in the first round, and, and, oh, yeah. and everyone in the middle of the fight were like, "Throw your right hand!" I was like, "Shut up, I can't." But they realised I hurt my hand as well, so they were, they, you know, I, I, I fractured my jaw because I couldn't defend myself. I broke, cracked a rib again. I couldn't defend myself because I couldn't take a punch yeah, on yeah. my hand yeah. or or give it. And you still won the fight. And I won the fight. You know, thank God. It was a rocky moment. Yeah, fight, yeah, I bet you know? it was. I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then I was in hospital what, until like. What were you telling? What were you telling yourself? Um, like when you when your hands like it's almost like the odds are totally against you yeah. at this point. You like. have a fight in your head at yeah. the time because you actually do think. So like not it's not like adrenaline just stops you thinking. You do. You are thinking, and you're like. I cannot believe this. The first time I've ever broken a bone in a, in my life yeah. in a title fight, and I was like, you know, do I carry on? And then, I, and then my other side of the brain, you're fitter than this guy. You're better than this guy. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. And then, and then another side comes in. It's like, why did you choose boxing? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. And then, yeah, it was just it was bad. You're fighting yourself. But then, thank God, I, I've always had that that heart. Never mm. give up. And you know. The old uh, cheesy, you know, Spartan mentality, but it is what it is. You know, you're, we're warriors, and I won the belt that night and the title. And I never forget it. That that fight was an amazing fight, and it and it showed me that, you know, when when things go wrong, I can, I'll, you know, I can, I can carry on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what an incredible achievement to be honest Thank you, with bro. you. Thank you. So, um, so then after that, you ended up in surgery at lights. I never had surgery for that one, but I was in a cast again, and then the Mayweather team called up my dad's and was like, we want sparring again. And then I was like, well, I've just come out of the cast. Yeah, let's, can't turn that down, so let's do it. And I wasn't really ready. However, remember you're sparring in America, they make you spar in really big gloves, sometimes 16, sometimes 18s. Uh, 18? Uh, yeah, because it's just protection, no, no cuts, stuff yeah. like that. So when I had those on, I had pillows on my hands. I didn't really <laughs> feel my hands. But then I boxed that same year and like, you know, eight ounce gloves, or no, I think it was 10 ounce, but um, I could still feel my hand. Like I could feel the pain of the bone being- what, on 10 ounce gloves. 10 ounce, yeah. yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and I said to myself, look, I went back to my surgeon who has had two prior surgeries, Mr. Cohen, saved my career many times. And he said, listen, Chris, you're not resting. You've been boxing since you were 17, every day, nonstop. You have to rest, take time out of boxing. How many would you literally be boxing every day? Pretty, pretty much. Seven days a week, whether it was. Uh, not seven days, maybe six. I'd always have like Sundays off to let my body rest, but it was intense. Yeah, of course you know, it was. Boxing all the time, not really resting. And he was like, look, if you keep hitting that part, your bone's going to be bent, your knuckle's going to go in more, you're going to feel it, you're not going to heal. So he's like, look, you've got to take a substantial amount of time out of boxing. And I would like you know, preferably six months, maybe to a year. Is that what he yeah, told he said, you? You gotta you gotta really, after really you, heal. After you put all your chips on the table with this yeah. kind of career. Yeah. But at the I same had, time I was going through a bit mentally as well and a lot happened in my boxing career which sort of cut the passion passion a little bit, extinguished the fire a little bit. Like well, just, well I kind of like 
um, are you are you all right to share share what happened? Or yeah, yeah, of course. Because I know um, when I was speaking to uh, your brother before, mm. uh, it, there's always been that little bit of concern that there's a little bit of uh, they, that they set things up a little bit to favour certain fighters, essentially. Look, I, I can't, um, I can't, I can't. You know, I'm not going to assume that happened, um, but it was very weird how one night. I boxed probably the best I've ever boxed in a professional ring. Just got off the plane from the Mayweather camp. Was beautiful. That fight was beautiful. Couldn't have really gone any better apart from me getting a knockout, which I hope, I wish I did now because the decision was left in the judges' hands. Where did you fight? Um, that was Alexandra Palace. Um, and listen, I've got no qualms if he's watching this with Danny, Danny Cassius Connor. I've got no qualms with him. He's, you know, we're, we're mates now on, on the old social media. Um, you know, but that night did, did change a lot for me. And I, you know, I boxed out my skin that night. You know, I looked amazing. And the, the, the decision didn't go my way. And people, even Johnny Nelson, Spencer Oliver, Sky Sports, you know, American fans were messaging me five years later saying I won that fight. It was a really, really, you know, hurtful moment in my life, but I took it graciously, you know, humbling victory, gracious in defeat. And I said, well done to him. And, you know, I thought I won, you know, and a lot of people did. And that, that night took a lot of passion away from me because I was like, I could work so hard and still not get the decision. And then people were like, oh, we should have knocked him out. You get in the ring. <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, go. Yeah. Danny's a tough guy. You know what I mean? He took some big shots that night, big shots, and and he still was there. And all credit to him. And um, you know uh, that that's when things changed for me. A lot of passion left left my my heart for the sport as well. And I carried how, on. How, how old were you at that point? Uh, that's a good question. I think I was about twenty seven, twenty six. So yeah, twenty seven. Nine, like ten that. years in the game. Mm, yeah. At that point. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It was my 10th fight and I was still undefeated and that took away my undefeated record and it was hurtful. But, you know, listen, everything happens for a reason. And in and now where I am in my life, I love where I am in my life now. And, you know, maybe that was meant to happen. You was, know. That, was that the last time you fought? No, no, no. That was quite a few fights. I actually was carried it? on for quite a few years. Oh, you did? But I kind of carried on for the wrong reasons yeah. as well. You know, I was trying to keep other people happy. You know, again, keeping my dad happy and being proud of Definitely, me. Yeah. Andreas, my brother, he's got a really big, um, you know, effect on me. And, you know, his, you know, him being proud of me too. And, you know, he's, we're close in age and he was boxing as well. So. You was always like pushing when I each other. Said, and like... Yeah. When I said, I don't want to box anymore. It was harder to tell my brother Andreas than my dad. Was it? Yeah. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. incredible. He had a massive guy at me. Did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You as well. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he's got that Big passion. He's yeah. got that passion a behind that. Fat him. argument that night, yeah. that day. Cause, cause I remember your, it. Your dad's yeah. obviously like a very calm and collective man. So. Yeah. My dad was upset, obviously, because he was like, you know, why you're so talented and you can go all the way. And I was like, well, do you know what? I just don't, I don't feel it anymore. I don't want to wake up every day training and then fighting people and then being driven around sparring and fighting people, you know, I don't know. And I remember sparring against top, top opponents and or sparring partners. I won't really, I don't really want to say names, um, out of respect, but like top in the in the world, like people that fought like Lemachenko and things like that, and I outboxed them in sparring. Like, and people were like, "How is Chris outboxing this guy?" And yeah, it, I was good at the sport, but like it wasn't in there. And I remember someone saying this once: just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. No, that's right. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I think I think it's that other thing around the fact that someone who's got passion and heart towards something. Mm 
it's and like the right attitude is far yeah. will probably go further in life compared to somebody yeah. that's just like in it the, for the wrong reason. The man that loves walking will walk, will forever. walk forever more than the man who loves the destination. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I want to be a world champ, but I fell out of love with the sport of boxing where it you know they could just turn on you, mm. and it's dog eat dog. You know, I didn't really get many phone calls after I retired from people that I made a lot of money for. You know what I mean? They didn't care because I weren't making the money anymore. Well, yeah, it was almost like once once you didn't have a serve a purpose to them, they was... Yeah. Yeah, but then you was kind of done with them probably at the... Yeah, it would have been nice to get a phone call. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, how you doing, mate? You all right? How's life? Do you know what? It's okay. <laughs> what, what was your last yeah. fight? My last fight, that was the one in the York call. That was uh, after my break my hand um i fought i boxed i won so after that whole little mishap of my career where i had those you know the loss and that i i was winning i went back to winning again and like on my box rack it's all green up until i retired like i never i never had the red 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 and then i was like oh, i'm getting too many losses here i'm becoming a journeyman i want to stop this like my record was decent i never had that power that i had you know inspiring in that because i had like gloves on and and i did have that injury However, you just I could outbox out, people. Out I used to outbox yeah. people and I was very fast, obviously the flash and blah, blah, blah. But I never had that power to, to stop people that I wanted to. But again, and I, and I didn't want to tell them why because then I've got an injury and then I've got a handicap mm -hmm. and they can, they can capitalize on that. It's like, it's like yeah. Floyd though. He, uh, he just outboxes people all the yeah. time. Well, now it? he did in his later career, he had brittle hands. Right, right, you know? that's what it was. Well, that's that. And also he was going up in weight and he never really brought his power up in weight. Mm. Um, but no, listen, again, everything happens for a reason. My last fight, I decided in the ring, I decided this is my last fight in the, while I was boxing. Seriously? And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to show all my skills in this fight. And I don't know the may with a trick yeah. and everything. <laughs> Go out of the ring. The promoter said, that's the best you've ever boxed. La, 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 la. We're going to get you back into the title contention. My dad was like, look, you're two fights away for another big title. And I was like, were you, were you not even tempted in the slightest? No, man. I really? Was, I yeah, was that's... I was done. When you know you've made the decision like of being done, you're done. Yeah. I knew I was done. Yeah, fair. Um, and, then I, and then I went into a very dark place. Didn't you fight yeah. at Wembley as well? Three times. Three times at Wembley? Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and Under Tyson Fury twice. I actually was in the ring with, with you know, fighting the fight before Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora number one. That was at when we were you, you know, really? 10, yeah. 10,000 people. Can you, can you remember the first time you fought there? Yeah. Well, the first time I fought there was a little bit um, late in the night. And then I got out and it wasn't, the atmosphere was okay. There was like half the amount of people. But that Tyson Fury fight with Chisora, that was like a max capacity. <laughs> was and I was like, oh my God, I'm walking. I'm like, I see thousands of people watching me. It's weird. It's weird thinking about it now. I fought, I boxed. I had a fight in front of so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. It's, you know, it's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And listen, I've I've done it. I loved it. I've I've got you know, I've got I've had that in my life. <clears throat> I won't change it. You know the way I've gone in my life, and it's led me to where I am today. Yeah, this table. Yeah, it's part of, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> this amazing podcast. Imagine yeah. what's going to happen after the podcast. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, for so, you too. So, so, um, so, so after after you quit, what 
you said you went into a dark place. What what kind of happened there? Like mentally, like my identity was a boxer. You know, I'm in everyone's phones as Chris Boxer. That's how everyone knew me. So every time I met someone, oh, Chris, when you fight it again, when you fight it again, when you fight it again, there wasn't any, any how's life? It was, when's your next fight? And it was like, it put me in a really dark place. And, and then I had like, no, I felt like I had no purpose. Yeah, 100, 100%. You know, and all I knew was boxing. The, the, my last grades that I ever did in academic was my A-levels. So like, where do I go from here? Do I just fall into coaching and whatever did it not go did it was it not instant i'm going straight into acting then you had to kind of you had to kind of re-mentally find that i always wanted to become an actor again but remember you need money and acting don't pay at the oh, beginning of course so i need to find that somewhere yeah so i kind of had to start doing some sort of pt or some sort of training because everyone knew me as a boxer do you want to train with me pad work yeah cool you know which obviously Hate carried me. its way. Had to, gold. had to. Yeah, of course. That, that I didn't ever, I've never, thank, touch, thank God the Lord, this is a problem a lot of PTs have. And I hope this doesn't change. Please, you know, I've never struggled to get clients. Yeah, because yeah. Because I've had a name and my boxing yeah. career and everything. Thank God it's like a beautiful problem to have because <laughs> I'm too busy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I've never had that struggle. And, and thank God, because I don't know what I would have done otherwise. I would have been a, you know, bless him, a postman or something where I just had to just do that job, mm. you know what I mean? Postman get good money. Yeah. <laughs> so I well, have, and you're making yeah. the best of the, the the cards that you've been dealt with, right? Exactly. I think I think mm. I think that sometimes I, I remember going through that myself, where it was I left a, a job after 12 years, mm. and I, I fell into that hole myself. Yeah. And then it was, um, and then I was like, no, do you know what? I'm going to play the cards I've been dealt with, yeah, and I'll maximize the opportunity with that before exactly. then using it as an opportunity to start this. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I, I I do understand um, how we can get into that world of having a bit of an identity crisis when yeah. we f don't feel like anything's kind of going for us. Yeah, and then what do I do? What, am I just going to be, a, you know, again? Yeah, going back a, to a mediocre life. It, yeah, like, it, remember, I used to box wrong, in front of that. thousands of people. I know, but then it's kind of like I've come down from such a higher glory career. To yeah. Da, 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 you know, yeah, like that. And which, I felt, which, which, by the way, some people can settle for, but other people yeah. want... A lot weird. It's that. really weird. I remember driving. Well, I wasn't driving at eight years old, but I was about eight years old, and I was in my, my I think my mum was driving. I was looking out the window in my area, and I was like, again, in no pretentious way do I say this at all. So please don't think I'm saying this in that way. But I used to say, and, and this was a young age. I used to say, I really want to be somebody. Mm. I don't want to just be going to that shop and just going home and just not being anybody. Like I want to be somebody. That's why I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And then I became a boxer. And then I was a somebody. I'm on TV. I'm on Sky Sports, prime time TV. And that, after that Danny Connor fight, mm. Sky Sports. The next night, I went to a Thai restaurant, and people in there was like, "Did you box last night?" And I was like, "Yeah." yeah. And they did go, "You won that fight." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I know." And I didn't, you know. And I felt, oh, I love this. I love but people recognizing yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there shouldn't be any shame around that either, should there? Really? If, no. If no. you if you want something good in life. Mm and everything you do is with a pure intention, yeah. then best yeah. of luck to you, right? And and the right people should be supporting you. The, yeah, of course. And, and you know, that journey. I, I loved, I loved the, that time of my life and I loved boxing on such high, you know, cards and things. And, you know, I, I boxed at uh, Wembley on the undercard of Darren Barker as well and, and, and um, George Groves and big fighters, Tony Bellew, all that, oh, you yeah, know? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had some big fighters. Obviously, Tyson Fury is like the biggest one. Um, but going back to um, what we were saying, just like, I remember the night I chose to be an actor. It's weird. It's not like I kind of faded into it. I've, I remember saying, that right, from this moment, moment yeah, on, yeah. I'm going to become an actor. Yeah, and yeah. It was weird. I was going to, I was applying for a job at Sky and I knew someone kind of in there. 
and it was going to be a decent job and for the first time in my life I was going to be paid a salary I've never been I've never in my life had a paycheck be the same from one month to the next in my life oh right okay. I've always been self-employed I've always been you know trained you get paid well from boxing or it was okay I'll go into that after this yeah, story yeah, yeah. um and then I'll tell you exactly what boxing pays but um so I was I was applying for the job and I had a decent CV from like the sporting world and creativity because I did the, my own, I used to do my own promo and, and editing and oh, things like you? that. Yeah, so that was something I had a good knack for. And I remember I was about to push return to send the CV to my friend to then send on. And I stopped myself and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I actually said to myself, if I could be any, if I could do any career in this world and get paid a decent living from it what would it be and straight away I was like actor I, I want to be an actor and I didn't send the CV that night instead I went to YouTube and I went how to be an actor and I literally <laughs> I clicked YouTube's it YouTube's brilliant for stuff like yeah, that yeah and I, I watched every video on how to be an actor where to start from get your headshots go training you know um, you're not going to get an agent straight away like literally I know like that's why I'm the very blueprint. good I'm very good at helping people who want to be actors become actors or start because that was me. Yeah. I researched it. And there was a lady called Wendy Elaine Wright who was on YouTube from America, LA. And she literally had so many videos up and she, she gave so much free advice. And I watched every single video that she put out. Um, and that was it. I, I, that was the day I started following the acting career. And then that, um, and you just like, and you had that real passion for it. Yeah. I, I take it. I, I found the flame again. Flat, I was like, flame that's again, yeah. that's where it went. <laughs> yeah. It was there, but it was it's for acting, and so, I haven't looked back. So, so what? Ha so, um, was it quite a tough thing to get into? It is very tough because you don't know where to start. You don't, how do you begin? Like, you can't get a job without your uh, experience, and you can't get experience without getting a job, job to get yeah. experience. So, you have to kind of do like stuff for free. You have to do like your things for yourself. So, I I went out there and I got my headshots. Um, so I've got my headshots there, which is kind of a bit backwards. Really, you should just start doing some training, like go to some workshops and learn. Like like in anything life, like boxing, you need to train, right? Yeah, you need to train yeah, to be yeah. an actor. You can't just go, hello, I'm, I'm an actor on set and these are my lines. Like you need to, you need to train. Yeah. So I started doing workshops and stuff as well. I felt like I was a bit too old to go back to school. And I asked a lot of casting directors and people in the game, like, do I need to do a two-year diploma in acting? Oh, okay. And if I did, then I would you have done have, it. Then you would have done it, fair. But I didn't do it. I, I got on the job You were experience. advised not to. I was advised, they were like, look, it's changed now, acting. Like, if you want to be an actor, we want, like, more real people. Like, if there's, like, ever a fighter, we'll, you'll probably oh, get yeah, the job yeah. because you've been a boxer. Yeah. So you'll probably act that the best and you'll look like a fighter. You're not, like, an actor going, you know, yeah. I learned to box. You know, it's not like that. It's It's... You, you've lived you, it, you breathed get. it. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of like how you start. And I remember for six months, I was just on like all these websites applying for acting jobs. And some I got, some I didn't. And then friends were like, oh, Chris, we need a, a bouncer doing this or we need this. And I'd go and do it for free. I wouldn't get paid. And and then- um, And you I, were making your money through PT. I was making my money through PT, exactly. Yeah, so all the auditions fun. or anything I'd done, I could still do because I was flexible from- my job you worked, I yeah. couldn't do a nine to five that's why I didn't do the CV because you wanted nine that to flexibility five. in your life exactly yeah yeah cut long story short I after six months of doing that um a friend of mine um uh Lana said who who I knew from way back in the day when I was like 18 working at LA Fitness when it was LA Fitness 
she's an actress and she said chris um i reached out to her asked her for some advice and then the next night she said chris my friend who's an agent has seen your photo of as a boxer she wants to meet you i was like why she goes well she wants maybe to sign you as an actor and i was like oh my god thank you so when i met my agent uh, mandy and literally she she gave it to me real she was like chris this is the hardest job in the world i just want you to know that for you or her for an actor yeah because to get in is so there's millions of people that want to be actors yeah you need something different your unique selling point is your look your box i had a skinhead at the time your boxer you've got you know ripped physique like we're going to get you in with commercials like uh lucas aid whatever sports yeah, drinks right. um, sports clothes or or anything on tv that's going to be sports related or fighter related okay it makes sense yeah makes and sense. i said okay no problem and she said well look i'll sign you today this is a contract do you want to do you want me to sign you and i was like yes it was a no-brainer yeah and then that was it that was a real the big start of my career that was the big changing point because then i got all big auditions and my first audition was gillette <laughs> was for thirty-four thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah it? and i done it they wanted a soldier again I've been a boxer. They were like, you're about to go into battle. You're doing this, you're doing that. So then I went, okay, I've done this before. I, you know, I'm about to go into have a fight. I'm in the changing rooms. How do I feel? So I bought it out. I, I projected that. And then I remember the casting director stopped and went, have you been a soldier before? I was like, no, I'm a I was a boxer. She went, that was a really good audition. And casting directors don't really tend to do that. They're like, okay, thank you, you know. But for her to make a comment was great. And then I got the callback, which was unheard of, my first audition, which I didn't know was hard to get. That was I'm your like, first oh, ever, your I've got first a callback. Ever. Thank you, Mandy. She's like, she's like, my Mandy was like, no, Chris, you got a callback. That's massive. Big, That's yeah. big in your first ever audition. Mm. I was like, okay. Well, I never, I ain't got the job yet. She's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Anyway, and then after that one, I got penciled for the job. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get £34,000. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, whatever. On your first stint. Yeah. And then Mandy's like, Chris, this is brilliant. Getting the job or not, well done. And I didn't get it. I got taken off the pencil. They called it you? taken off pencil the day before. Right. And um, I didn't get it. But I thought, oh, I'd let Mandy down. And she was like, Chris, listen, people don't get callbacks in the first maybe year of being an actor. Mm. And I was really, really happy. And I was really like, wow, I can't believe that. And then I've done another audition, done well, done another, done another. And then it was like, I love this. I, I love this job. And then I got a few jobs. I got landed Samsung, then Heineken. Ironically, because I don't drink, I was promoting Heineken, which paid really well. Um, and one was in Prague, one was in uh, Paris. So, so you flew around a bit. Um... Flew around and I was like, I could get used to this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> was and it all paid for as all well? All paid for, of course. Was paid it? for, then they give you DMs for the day, like to go and spend the money. And I was like, okay, mm. you know, th that was great. And then that that's the year that I landed, like, like my biggest break, which the gentleman. Yes. Um, yeah, which yeah. was like Guy Ritchie. And I was like, oh my God, like my favorite director. I'm about to be in his film. So, what was it like auditioning? Oh, I loved it. They wanted a boxer. They just wanted a boxer. They wanted someone up. in a boxing a club. Good fit. Yeah, and then I done the audition, um, and it was the, the audition was the scene <laughs> in the gym where um, Ernie uh, Bugsy Malone is talking to, to Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, who plays coach, <laughs> saying about how the, the yeah we've stolen from a guy called Michael. Right. And it was that scene, and yeah, I was yeah. playing Ernie. And you tell me now, and, and Colin Farrell's out, and you you tell me this news now. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. it. And um, and then he goes, it wasn't from you know. And then the, I remember the lines. It was a uh, Colin guy and a uh, Colin coach guy, and uh, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't from a guy called Michael, was it? And then I'm like, 
F me, coach. You gypsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or crystal yeah. ball. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you know that? And then I remember the lines for the audition. And then the, the casting director said, okay, now do some boxing and act the scene. I was like, okay. So I was like pretending I was hitting a bag. And so many times I've done this as a boxer where I've hit a bag and I've been talking, you know, to like my coach or whatever. So I kind of knew how to breathe and talk at the same time. And okay. Do you know what I mean? So I'd done that. It's a skill, is it? It's hard because you think about it, you've got to do an action, boxing, breathe, get a bit out of breath yeah, yeah, and deliver. Yeah. And remember lines yeah, and, and do that. So I was like, well, this was actually quite easy. Not easy, but it was like good for me. Straightforward enough. Yeah. And then a week later, I'm in, I'm in the barber chair. I remember getting my hair cut and then Mandy calls me. I'm like, hi Mandy. And she's like, you're a star. I'm <laughs> like, why, what's happened? And she's like, you got it. You, you got, back then it was called Tough Guys. You got Tough Guys, you're, you're gonna be in, in the film. I'm like, oh my God, I, 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 I got emotional. So, so, so what, what's the um, context of Tough Guys? Get, re, re, like, tell me what it is. Tough Guys. So uh, Tough Guys was the original name of the film. Right. And, but sometimes they do that to placeholder film and they don't want it to get out yet what it's called. Okay. But Tough Guys is is like tough, you know, tough boy in it. Like uh, tough and tough, bit posh. Um, but I don't know why it was changed, but it was changed a couple of times and then it, it landed on The, the gentleman, gentleman, which I think a lot of people love that name and that was what it ended up as. Yeah. And it, 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 it suits the film. You know, uh, so so you um, so you got the call and yeah. like she was like, you're and then she's like, right, this is where you're, you're playing a guy called Primetime. Um, you're gonna have your you're, you're in you're in a gang. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're filming these amount of dates. This is what you're getting paid. This is what you're doing. I was like, whoa, 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 Bandy, I'm getting paid for this. This is like a treat, and I'm getting paid as well. So it was it was good. It was amazing. It was that was an amazing moment. And then I sent a little video to my family WhatsApp group. You know, um, you know, in the audition, did you have to say those iconic words that you said no. in the film? You didn't, right? No, because okay. I wasn't prime time in the audition. Oh, okay. I was Ernie. Oh, it was Ernie. Yeah. Which one was Ernie? Ernie is uh, Bugsy Malone. Oh, it was actually Bugsy Malone's yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, so that that's Bugsy you, Malone's character. Um, yeah. They actually had to play for, right? Yeah, so all of us, all us toddlers in the film done the audition and that as, was the scene as, done as oh, Ernie. So right. they wanted to see what we're like. And and um, yeah, and then I became one of the toddlers. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. And um, yeah, so you, how did you feel around it all? So Mandy was obviously really... Oh, she was so happy. And then I was like... I remember just calling people like obviously I couldn't say too much out but like my immediate family I was I was so happy like to get the news that I'm in a film which now knowing that it's such an amazing film and and my favorite director you know a massive cast like A-listers and I'm going to be working with some of the best actors in the world you know and it was just an amazing feeling a big achievement for me I bet your family was super proud as well. Yeah, yeah, they were. And then I, I left PT in for like a month around Christmas time and, and, you know, filmed that and going to set every day. Like literally, I'll tell you this funny story, little little thing happened where you have to wake up early, don't you, to get, because it was a 6 a.m. call. Mercedes is parked outside your house, getting a lift to the studio or wherever nice. you're going. And I was really scared of missing my alarm to not wake up in time. So I went to bed uh, like 11 o'clock, I've set my alarm and I panicked and woke up thinking, oh my God, I yeah, saw the time and I saw 5.25 and I was like, oh my God, I've got to do my hair, I've got to do this. I jumped out of bed and I had to blow dry my hair because you can see my hair's curly, yeah? Greek, so I had to blow dry it straight. So I've got my hair dryer out, blah, blah, blah. I had a housemate at the time and I'm blow drying my hair, I'm thinking it's 5.30 in the morning. I go downstairs, I put the toast in, I look at the time and it's 
40. I had seen the number two as five. (laughs) Did you? So I had done my hair. My housemate must have been thinking, what the hell is he doing with the hairdryer? He's keen, keen, isn't he? Yeah. So I had to go to bed with the pillow here, not let it it touch my hair. (laughs) So that's how much I love going to set. You can't. can't. Yeah, I didn't even need an alarm clock, really. But, you know, it was just, it's, it's an amazing feeling going going to set every day. I bet it was, yeah. My first day on set, I had an audition in the morning and then I got driven to the Emirates Stadium. So you had an audition in the morning for another opportunity? For another, for a commercial. Okay, now what was that? How come you had to go to the Emirates? Because that's where the filming was. Oh, is that where it was? Yeah, you know Big Dave? I don't know if you remember the reporter. Um, We kidnap him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That's the Emirates. Oh, was that the Emirates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Where his bodyguard knows Kung Fu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Karate or Taekwondo (laughs) or something. Yeah, yeah. Flat belt in whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that that was our first scene. Yeah, I literally watched it the other day, so uh, yeah. I can pretty fresh. much. Yeah, it's all <laughs> yeah. still fresh. Yeah. So, so um, what was it like working with like these kind of iconic uh, actors and actresses? Exactly how you'd think. It was just amazing to be to be in you know in the same scenes and you know sometimes you you. So it's a bit weird in a film, you won't meet any of the actors in that film unless they're in the scene with you. Right. So they're not in a scene with you, but they're in the film. It's quite you want to see him, yeah. Like you know, like Lord of the Rings, mm. right? Where you've got, do you remember Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. You got Aragorn and and Legolas and Gimli. They're they're tracking and they're running through That's Middle it. Earth. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got Frodo and Sam going completely to different scenes. They're completely moments. different scenes. So maybe for like a whole year, they never really saw each other. Yeah. Because they wouldn't be except in the same for scenes when they were working unless they're in the same scenes or the you know maybe they made friends out there oh, and they went right. for dinner, but usually they wouldn't do that. So. So you, you would have worked closely with Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell with Bugsy. Really. Yeah, yeah, um, and the other toddlers. And the other toddlers. But Guy Ritchie does something a bit different. He does something called, it's not really a table read, it's called um, a black box rehearsal. So we literally go through the whole film with all the characters in like a studio with black curtains around and they film it because they want to make sure it all makes sense and it's all mapped out. So that read, I've got to the... The, in the room of everyone. Tottenham Court Road. I went there and I'm walking in. I'm like, oh, there's Sir, whoever, blah, blah, blah. Hello, hello. And then Matthew McConaughey walks through the door. I'm like, okay, <laughs> hello, mate. You all right? Hello. He said hello to everyone. Yeah. Then Hugh Grant walks through the door. Hello, mate. Yeah. You all right? Um, I just, Bugsy Malone, you know, and I'm like, hello, mate. You all right? And he sits next to me and then me and Bugsy talk. You know, Aaron, we, we speak a lot. And this is his first film as well. Like, as in, I've done a bit of acting, but he's this is his it's actual first. first acting role, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, because he was brought in, you know, as that guy. And yeah, and it was just surreal because we literally, I'm watching, oh, and Charlie Hunnam as Charlie well. Charlie Hunnam was here. You know, yeah. and they were there and, you know, we're talking and then I'm watching these iconic actors, Oscar winners perform. And I'm like, well, I'm just in awe of this, you know. And then Guy Ritchie, who's there, you know what I mean? You know, watching the monitor and, how are you doing, mate? You all right? He's really, you know, he's really down-to-earth guy as well. He talks to you and he knows I was a boxer, so we, we spoke a bit about fighting and stuff. But yeah, that was surreal. That, that was what was unique about Guy Ritchie's um, approach to his films. Yeah, and yeah. like, being in front of all of them actors, like, when it was your time to read, did you not... Um... Get a bit nervous, of Yeah, course, yeah, but, I mean, I... It. Yeah, I left. I just played. Sorry, I just played me. Prime time was pretty much me, boxer, cheeky, you know, whatever. But it was it was amazing. It wasn't like I was playing something so different that I was really nervous to portray it. Like I was, it was quite close to home, 
and and guy actually said to us you know i've i didn't want well someone else said to guy or he said to them i didn't want actors playing fighters i wanted fighters who are actors right because they walk different they yeah. talk different they have a different swag about them they have a different approach and i understood that because it's, it's easier to imitate yeah well be exactly well, we were being are. fighters when yeah. we weren't really acting yeah. i mean obviously you put on an accent or whatever whatever you're going to do in life but predominantly you are that character and that's why it worked really well with us the toddlers you know I actually posted about the toddlers today on my story yeah, saying, you never know, we might make a comeback, you know. <laughs> you ain't been speaking to Guy already, have you? Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we'll don't see. know about that, but we'll see. No, uh, but if it happens, that'd be amazing. They're bringing out a series, aren't they? They are, yeah, a yeah. TV series. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the General. I heard that a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. So what happened, um, so so how long was that stint? That was about a month about worth a of month. filming, just under, th just, yeah, three and a half weeks. Uh, but one of the best days on set was with Colin, Colin Farrell. Um, I, you know, I was mainly in the scene with him and I was the one who, I, I'm a student of life and a student of the craft and I literally, you know, maybe he gets this all the time, but I, I just went up to him, we were talking on, you know, when they're changing cameras and things like that, that, you know, I, I went up to him and I just spoke to him and I said, how did you get into acting? How, where was your big break? And I asked him all these questions and he was so insightful and he gave me so much time and he told me all about it his big break was this he went to LA and he auditioned for uh, Tigerland <clears throat> which he was a soldier and um someone said to him he's the director's going with you you've got the job and he was like so ecstatic and that was the start of his acting career where's he from originally um he's Irish he's Irish yeah, yeah, yeah. he was actually uh a, I think he was a dancer wasn't he, he was like a Folk dance, was he? Was yeah, he? yeah, yeah. And then, and then I think he auditioned for, um, I think it's Boys Own, if I'm not mistaken, oh, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he was going to be in the band, and he, it never happened. I, don't quote me on that. Yeah. If anyone's watching, please do your research. <laughs> but I know he was doing something like that. But well, Tiger well, Land was his big break. Yeah, fair. You know, and then he told me about his family, and you know, yeah. I, I, th I think in like the earlier on is. The, the kind of consensus is you just got to do what you can to put yourself in front of the right opportunities. I yeah, suppose. yeah, of course, especially in the acting world. Yeah, you know, you, there's a fine line in the acting world. As a boxer, it's very different. You you go to your coach or you go to your promoter and say, "I oh, want give me a fight. I want to fight. Put me." Which in is front quite of easy one. to. It's it's easier to do because it's to do, not a luxury it? to yeah. be a boxer. Yeah, yeah. You're like, are you sure you want to fight? All right, we'll get you a fight. Sell some tickets. Blah blah blah. We're sorted. You can't really call up a director and go, "Put me <laughs> put in me your in film," <laughs> or cast a director get me a film because it's a luxury to be an actor mm. so many people want to be actors out there mm. it's a very different approach and i've got a very thing about crossing the line being being uh someone who wants to network in a nice way and you know talk to people and stuff and also then being too much of a pushy opportunity yeah. yeah pushy op opportunity you know i want i want it i want it and and be sleazy networking i, I really don't like that so i'm very very um hesitant to ask for stuff I sort of present myself and I'm like, look, this is what I can do, you know, and then kind of let them tell me, oh, we want you to be in this or, you know what I mean? I don't want anything yeah, handed yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, I want to work for You've got it. to sell yourself and believe Yeah, but I want to show myself what I can do. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what I've been doing for seven years. Yeah, fair. And then going back to um, the paying in uh, boxing, mm. what was that? Um, did so that paying in boxing, if anyone's watching who wants to be a boxer and you want to know what the pay's like, you cannot answer that question with an aunt, with, a, with a number. Answer, it's not, it's how long's a piece of string. It depends how many tickets you sell, your profile, who you are, what you've won, and what you negotiate. Um, most of the time, 80%, 90% of boxers is a ticket-based 
system, you sell tickets, you get paid your purse, it's called a purse, whatever, from those tickets. Right. Okay, and with whatever promoter you have, if they don't have TV rights, it's usually that's the way it goes. If they have TV, they get paid by Sky Sports, The Zone, Boxer, whatever. Set fee. They get paid, okay, to put the show on. So they have more of a budget. So then the boxer that fights for them gets a purse minimum. So let's say they're doing a four-rounder. They're going to get paid one and a half thousand pounds, let's just say, for argument's sake. Then they sell a hundred, uh, let's say t they sell 10 grand worth of tickets. They'll get 10% of that. So they get a thousand pounds. So in a night, they'll make two and a half grand. However, you've got to remember, they've trained two and a half months for that. It's not okay. two and a half grand, a lot, a lot of, money. of money for somebody. But they're not taking two and a half grand home. No, no, no. They're taking home, take away 10% for your coach, then take away 25% for your manager. They're taking home 65% of two and a half thousand pounds, and then they've got to do their taxes. So at the beginning of your boxing career, usually you have another job until you're, you're earning enough and the promoter's like, look, we're going to pay you this amount per fight. Then you can say, I'm, I'm off the tools, I'm off working my day job, I'm gonna be focusing on my boxing career, right. or you're lucky enough to get sponsors. I was, I, I had a good support. My dad helped as well, and I had I had sponsors. I sold a lot of tickets, which was good. That helped, so, and I signed with Matchroom at the beginning, the big one of the biggest promoters in the world. Yeah. So Eddie Hearn, um, Barry Hearn, at the, at the, back in the day. Um, and I was selling a lot of tickets. Alexandra Palace, my first fight there, you know, um, including, so, we sold like 700 tickets out and about and then another however many hundred on the door. So let's say a thousand people there were for me, which is unheard of mm. from a guy I never, you know, I wasn't famous as a boxer before I was a boxer. So it was good. It was that I, I got paid better than a lot of others because I, I was signed with Eddie Hearn, uh, with Matchroom and they paid me a purse minimum and then I got uh, ticket money on top and I got sponsorship money on top so I was able to make a living right. of some sort right. from without boxing having have, without having to have another job, job yeah. yeah so that was I mean that's it sometimes you can fight someone and you're the, the boxing is one of the only sports where the loser or the guy that's there to kind of kind of get beaten can earn more than the winner and the man of the night explain how so because you <laughs> so you pay the opponent who comes in yeah I'll fight Bob Smith, who's the favourite? He's like journeyman, he's the homeboy. journeyman. Yeah, uh, journeyman. You call him. I'm gonna pay you. We're gonna pay you a thousand pound for the night. Brilliant. But the boxer, Bob Smith, relies on tickets. A hundred and fifty tickets. So he's paying his opponent out of that hundred and fifty oh, tickets. As well. And then he's probably gonna be. And then he's got to pay the house, the mm. promoter, for being on the show. Then he's got to pay himself he might earn 300 quid from that fight yeah do you know yeah. what i mean so can you see how it's very hard at the beginning so if you want to be a boxer you've got to say just like acting you've got to put the time in put the work in don't think about the money the money's a byproduct mm. you've got to earn that like be happy be a happy person enjoy the journey like we said enjoy the boxing enjoy the training yeah win you know be safe have a good manager not cherry picking in the sense where you're avoiding people too much where you're like you know oh, i don't want to fight him i don't want to lose my record whatever but be be safe be careful with who you fight yeah fight people at the right time when you're ready don't be pressured into fighting people like don't care what twitter says or what they do they even call it x now twitter. x yeah x. don't care what it what anyone says on the internet focus on your journey and what your manager says right and if you've got a good manager who's got your best interests at heart and a good promoter You've got to be looked after in boxing. Listen to them. 
don't have an ego too much where it's like, no, 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 no I want a British title now, but you're not ready. No, 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 I want it now. Mm. Fight when you're ready, because trust me, a loss in boxing costs so much. Were you always quite um, like obedient to your... Uh, yeah, but then I called my dad up one day and I was like, dad, just give me a title fight, wherever it is, Southern area, well, you whatever. Just knew you I was, was like, ready. yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready for it, you know. But at the same time, um, it was a bit of pressure from social media as well like oh when you're gonna have a title fight chill man i've had four fights let me let me you know amateur to, to professional is a very big leap it's complete it's a completely different sport sometimes now it's closer mm. because of amateur rounds and our three minute rounds no head guards before it was four two minute rounds and head guards so it's and a point system so you're running a little bit more in amateur boxing just trying to get points back in the day right and then professional boxing you've got to be strong and stand your ground a little bit and then you have to have a bit more power and that was the biggest difference i found and three minute rounds is very different to two minute rounds. yeah yeah that extra minute <laughs> don't anyone say that three minutes ain't long enough because <laughs> it's a long time in the ring yeah yeah the, the, this is um this is what i was gonna say about social media as well is mm. that was your community that was your fan base there so yeah. you gotta be careful because you gotta kind of give them what they want without yeah. I had to like putting yourself in a high risk yeah. situation. I had to come off Twitter for a while. Oh, did you? Because of how horrible it could be, and it really messed up my mental side of things. Well, so um, you used to get a lot of hate. Instagram, Instagram was fine. It's like your friends and family follow you and fans, but they don't say too much on there, or they support you. Facebook's your mainly your family and f close friends. Twitter is anyone and anything can comment. You you can be a little, you know, back in there was the egg, which was no low, no profile picture, but have one follow-up, but say the most disgusting things to you. Mm. Like I remember sitting, watching a Disney film with my baby nephew at the time, and someone tweeted saying like, you know, you're a shit fighter, and you, you know, I'll burn your house down. It was, the, my, it was a former opponent's fan. And I was like, do you know what? I don't want these missiles to land on me because that's the only way they land is when you read it, right? Yeah, you can have a hundred yeah. good comments, but that one bad comment does affect you. Why, why do you think that is? Is this we're programmed that way? We if look I, at the negatives rather if, than the positives. Yes, if I had a white, you know, a, a piece of paper, you know, in front of you, and there was a, a red dot on the piece of paper, and I say, what's on this paper? And you say the red dot, and you're like, okay, but what about the rest of the paper, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Because your eyes go with you go to that one little thing. And that's what happens in life. You're, you're a bit more susceptible to negativity than to positive, mm. you know? And that's that, it, it did affect me, I'm not gonna lie. So then I came off Twitter and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with that social media. Well, like, mm. I think the other challenge you've got is you've got to have this strong belief system in yourself. Yeah. So you can't really allow- You have to be thick yeah. skin and that's what it taught me. And I am a lot more thick skin now, especially. But, but, but you also can't yeah. allow to be fighting unnecessary battles as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did used to reply to some people. Yeah. Be like, well, this is my gym, this is my address. Try to justify gym. yourself. Yeah, and also here's, the, here's my gym. Whenever you want to come down and have it. They never did, but I was like, I gave the gym address. I was like, let's, literally, let's get in the ring and then we'll see if you still got the same comment. But then after a while, I stopped. As you get older, it's just like, yeah. there's no point even engaging. One, you're adding fuel to the fire. Two, you're, make, uh, two, you're making them famous. Yeah. You're, adding, you're adding to the, like, who, two, who, who's this four, five, eight, seven, eight, six mm. comment? And then you're, you're adding eyes to that. And, and, it, and then it's like, whose game are you playing? 
yeah. you play yeah, are you yeah. trying to become that successful boxer or are you just looking to engage with people that yeah we've yeah. so it's, it's quite easy to get hung up on the wrong things definitely but definitely. you know yeah. it's, it's probably the best thing you did was actually come off of social media and then i came off it for a, a bit i had head. someone look after it for me yeah. so they can get updates and stuff like that and answer people and i had quite a good I had a lot of fan fan mail online like people well, if you're talking about me. a thousand tickets and stuff yeah like that yeah and being in the greek community as well i was you know the only greek boxer like i was really high ranked and then andreas came on board and then team of angelou so we, we were very well known and we were known in the sport and like we, we've got a lot of um you know friends still in the sport um and it was a great career i loved it i loved my life i loved my career um and i love where i am today what, what what would you say the the kind of hardest moment in your life has been up till now? We might have already touched on it, but finishing I'm, I'm... my boxing career and at the same time breaking up with my girlfriend and at the same time having a family, uh, I say dispute. It was a bit of a family situation all at the same time, and that's when I went to my darkest. I wasn't in training for months. I looked ill, like you'd think I was terminally ill, um, and coming from looking like this amazing Spartan warrior to a bit like a stick. Cause I used to train to put a bit of weight on and I didn't. And then just going through heartbreak, um, double heartbreak, cause it was family and there was some family involved. Um, and then having no identity as a boxer, having no vent, having no direction in my life. I went to a very, very dark place. And one night was a big night for me where, you know, I may not be sitting here today. You got to that that I, dark, I went dude. that far, and thank God I didn't do what I could have done easily, mm. you know. And yeah, it does happen, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I've spoken about this before. It's a really, really bad place to be, mm. but if you can get through it, you can get through anything. Well, it's it's quite funny with um, mental health as well. Is mm. it's so uh, rife now, mm. but there's such yeah. a kind of like. There's a bit of an argument around if you talk about it too much, you're almost emphasizing it. Mm. But if you don't talk about it at all, there's almost like a stigma there that you're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. Well, back then, especially I was a boxer. Yeah, yeah, I I know. Tough, and I was actually having these problems while I was a boxer as well. So, you know, press conferences, whatever, I couldn't show that vulnerability. I couldn't show I was going through mental health, and um, you know, did you do just bury it? I had had to most of the time. I had to. I had a lot of anxiety, Mm. a lot of anxiety that I was dealing with, um, which doesn't necessarily fully go. You just learn to deal with it. More mm. and, you, and you identify, this is anxiety. I, I know it's here. I, I can identify it now. Well, what would you normally do to help yourself with- uh, Train? Yeah, because I have to admit, training really helped me a lot through um, with anxiety yeah. as well. Mm. Was that the main thing for you? Definitely, and then after, like some days I'd be training, I'd be buzzing, I'd get that dopamine hit. And you know, I'm like, buzz, I love everyone. And I don't mean training like as a boxer, like I'm talking about like now in my life where it's weight training or it's, you know, uh, things like that. So it's, it could be any sort of training really. Mm. But, but back then when I, when I went through the, that night, I wasn't really training then at all. I wasn't able to. And then um, I think the saying, I think the line is the, the, the long dark of night, that's called that when you go to that place where you could have chosen to end things, but you didn't and you come through it. It's a very powerful moment. Yeah, because you've come over. It is, and you're literally that's the bottom. It's the only ways up. Yeah, if you've yeah. got it in you, that is. Yeah, some people. I hope people, you know, hope you yeah. do. But if you do, that's what I'm trying to say. If you get through that night, you usually 
you're yeah, 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 you're yeah. Get you beat. come back stronger. Exactly. And, yeah. And I decided. Did you have that big urge behind yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not letting this defeat me. I'm not going to let an ex do this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm. <clears throat> and that's when I started training again. I was like, right, I'm going to the gym every day. Joined the gym, started weight training, getting my physique back, <clears throat> eating well, and uh, pursuing my acting career. And that was a light. My acting career saved my life. Yeah, did it. Mm. Yeah, giving you that that yeah. purpose again, a new that passion, passion, that new passion, that new purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what happened after? Um, so what's happened after? The gentleman. The gentleman. <laughs> so cheers, mate. The gentleman was great, <laughs> and it took a year before it came out. But in the meantime, I was auditioning for a lot bigger stuff because I had it on my CV, and I was doing bits and pieces. I went to Devon for a month, filmed something there, but then, <clears throat> unfortunately, I hate using this word, but COVID struck. When so 2020, uh, January 1st, the gentleman came out New Year's Day, and I had I heard 10 a.m. cinemas were packed to see the gentleman. And I was in Paris at the time, and I was getting calls from people going, Chris, the cinema is rammed to see this film, and it done amazing on the cinema. But then, up until like January, February, or January, end of January, it came out in America, and it was doing its stint around the world, <clears throat> and I, it was amazing. And I thought, this is it. This is my big break. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that audition. And then COVID hit, came off the cinema, cinema's closed. But then it went to Amazon. And then because everyone's watching it at home, it done an amazing stint on Amazon. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And then it went on Netflix. It had it had these three lifetimes of, of these releases. Con yeah, continuity. Con yeah, and it was amazing. And the thing is, because of, because of COVID, I had big films and, and series that I was going to be involved in, which all got cancelled. So then I felt like I had to, and then the gentleman went cold, being me being in it. So then I had to kind of feel like I had to start again with yeah, it on my yeah, CV, yeah, which course. was great, but it was tricky. It was hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, it was because it was almost like a big obs like a big roadblock, wasn't it? Because it was like, well, what am I meant to do yeah. now? I want to do acting. But in that time of COVID, me and my brother started the started the gym. The gym uh, just before COVID hit, we we put an offer in to to buy the you know to to get the business. Was that a no-brainer for you, that, that starting that business? Yeah, so me and my brother were looking for about five, six years to yes. bring our PT clients together and our boxing names together, Team Evangelou, and it was like a no-brainer really with that. Um, but we were looking at other buildings and stuff and it literally, serendipity, I believe is the word, a happy accident, where I was looking at a different shop. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of, I won't kind of have, I don't really want to say exactly what happened because they, you know, told me not to ever talk about this, but meetings happened. Um, and then, and then it was it. We had a handshake and we took, we took the shop. Yeah, and yeah, then that yeah. was it. We say, you know, when, when, when we got the, the license, we, or to, to change it, we, we went in, guided it all, got it ready, opened. Five days later, got closed down because <laughs> of COVID. And that was the last time COVID was the lockdown. We, we were closed for four and a half, five months. Just a coffee shop in Cockfosters. Oh, is that, well, could you yeah. just carry on? As a coffee shop. As a so coffee. the Fit Factory was a coffee shop <laughs> and, and a showroom of what's going to come. Yeah. This is the room that you're going to be training in. And it was only one side. Mm. Um, and then we opened May 17th for classes. And then it staggered the opening and then we became really busy, PT in classes. Um, the Fit Factory was getting its name out there. You also you know. got blessed, uh, blessed with Nextdoor as well, didn't you? And then this was it. And then a few months later, the owners of Nextdoor said, look, we, we want to leave. We're giving you first refusal. And then we took that one on, built that. And then that opened in January this year, officially. And then we've been operating as, this, as our gym now for nine months. Um, really, for as 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 it is now. So, so, so how do you how do you find 
How do you balance everything, juggle everything when you're talking about PTing people, running now a business, mm. following this acting career that you're really passionate about? How, yeah. how, how do you find those challenges? Because you're getting pulled a bit, aren't you? Yeah, different... you do. And again, it's one of those things where it's 100% or nothing kind of mentality. And I had to kind of put that away. I had to say, right, I'm going to give myself a balance now. Exactly what you're saying, right? So today I'm going to be doing, in between these clients, I'm going to quickly send this email to this agent. Or tonight I'm going to do the audition for this thing. So when I get an audition in, usually it's at night time, at the end of the day, that I do it. Oh, okay. Because it's the only time I've got free and I don't have to worry about going back to work. Unless it's a deadline, then I have to do it. But I just got to do it mm. i just have to find the time to do it like yeah i am running a gym i am operating that i'm, I'm also pt so i'm i'm working in the gym i'm i own i'm not just the owner hiring pts which yeah. maybe would have been easier doing that i don't yeah, know yeah yeah yeah. i don't know well, but at some um, point it might yeah might yeah so change. you know i am doing that and but then when i get a job or i get an audition i you know I, i'm flexible with that i'm like i go away for two days and film or however long mm. um I, the I can't say what it is, but I had to go away for six weeks and I got the I got the audition and I got the job on the Tuesday. I got the role. And then my, my agent Mandy said, Chris, they want you in Mexico on Saturday for six weeks. Wow, I was like, really? but Mandy, I'm building a gym. Like, are you serious? She's like, Chris, you have to. Or was that, you was at a crossroad? Not really, because I had to go. I was yeah, like, yeah, dress? Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Well, no, but you can always say yeah. no to anything, can't you? I could have, yeah, but I couldn't say no to this role. This was, this is probably going to be the biggest role of my life in a very, very big series, which hopefully comes out soon. Um, and then my, my brother said, Listen, go. But it kind of came at the perfect time because the pay was so good. And we still had to pay for so much for the new side of the gym, like equipment After and everything. After COVID and everything. everything. The yeah. It was a godsend. I got paid like pretty much the exact amount that we needed to finish the gym. Wow. And now my brother's sending me bills while I'm in Mexico. And he's like, Chris, can you just pay this invoice? Like 5,000 pounds. I'm like, for oh, God's sake. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. sign it that way. I done it from my phone. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not resentful for it. I'm like, oh, man, this was in my account for three hours. <laughs> and yeah, now it's yeah. gone out. <laughs> so, that, but listen, it happened at the exact moment in time. God, the universe, it. it it looked after me that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? You're, to, based on what your brother said in the past, even what your dad has, you've had quite a few blessings along your journey to be fit. Yeah. I think we've all had blessings, by we the do. way. And but... we've got to identify those as blessings as well because you've got to celebrate the wins in life, however yeah. small, however big, you've got to because there's not loads around usually. So yeah, you, you've got to do that. It's having that kind of glass half full mentality. Of yeah, yeah. Seeing the signs and keep keep pushing forward. And being positive Yeah. As well. Yeah. Uh, so so um so you filmed in Mexico for six weeks. Filmed in Mexico for six weeks, uh, rehearsing every day, doing you know um, how, that. How did you find that away from like the family and? It, it was it was amazing, but I was on my own a lot of the time there, so right. I had to go gym and train because I had to I had to train for a part, and I actually had to sign a deal. It's called a deal memo contract saying I will weigh this amount I will be this I will look like this wow on this date so I had a deadline I was like I was training for a fight I was basically training for a fight I was dieting I had to cut weight, I had to cut weight. and in Mexico there's so much food around <laughs> and I was like oh man but thank god I had to diet because I would have got so fat out there because the food was just everywhere yeah, 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 sure. I was in Mexico City I had a routine I woke up went to the gym at 7 a.m done my thing came back eight went rehearsals which was basically training coming back eight Going gym again, weight training, coming back, eating, Netflix, bed. Really? Repeat. Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah, yeah. And you just had to be fully focused. In yeah. That. 
And and you said um like you had to be a certain way, you had to look a certain what 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 way did you have to look? I had to look like a fighter. Right. I can't say too much because I'm in NDAs. Okay, okay. But I had to look like a fighter, um, and literally a certain fighting weight as well. So a division of a box uh, I mean uh, a fighter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what it was. But yeah, so I had to like a division of a boxer or an MMA fighter, but I had to be that weight category. Okay. Or look like that weight category to to film because my opponent in it was the star. He was that weight. So I had to go to his. Oh, okay. Is, level, that, is that why? Not to mine, of course. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. But it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. It was life changing. My, you know, I, again, going through a breakup at the time um, and being six weeks apart from each other was, was difficult, going through that and being alone. And then in the middle of my time there my my nan passed away in in london and really you know broke my heart and it, it was very very hard for me out there to kind of like be alone mm. um and then when i when i got back it was you know things were different you know i ended up actually properly breaking up and being single oh and then coming back to a, a new gym that was open mm. had to run that so it was a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. It was, but it was life changing experience. It's it's quite interesting because we uh we have like these uh, old chapters where we've got to kind of turn the page. Yeah, like and invite something new into our lives, but it's always yeah sometimes yeah. which did happen, which did happen, and you know my my nan, I, I you know God bless her, so I, I believe she would be proud of me, and when, you know mm -hmm. we had a we were filming that day as well, and uh, they. Done a, they 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 think the whole set done a minute silence for her and you know and totally said her name yeah, and it was it was quite mean. emotional and that and I had to film an upbeat scene and you know whatever it was doing and the whole set done a minute silence for her so yeah, that that's was, incredible that was a be beautiful moment yeah yeah so what so what's next for you Chris what's next for me so I'm in the middle of producing a series um, which is which is re a really cool series that it's basically been written for me and a few other actors exactly like my type of acting that would be that would show me that my best light and we're in the middle of getting investment for it and it's going it's going so well on that side and hopefully we can start filming that spring uh early next year um and just yeah waiting for, you know there's a writer strike going on at the moment in america which has just ended the writer strike yeah, and now yeah, the yeah, actor strike needs to finish <laughs> but there's a lot of productions which are going to what's after the acting start. strike Gone, uh, <laughs> the tube strike <laughs> London Underground again I don't know but you know there's a lot of stuff going on and it's it's about um, you know um, God willing I'm in the middle of getting you know hopefully my visa for America so I'll be able to, to film and act and work in America as well so I'm casting the net wider and I think I'm you know I'm taking a few risks in life but no risk no risk no reward, reward yeah 100% you know? no I'm, yeah. I'm super super excited to see where it all uh, goes thank I, you I uh what I am curious about actually is sooner or later you're going to get a bit come to a bit of a crossroad with your yeah. kind of you have said this to me yeah and I'm, <laughs> past, I'm curious yeah. to see you know where it, it ends up, up yeah look my, my brother knows I'm, a, I'm an actor in, in my heart um, and we've always had an understanding of what will happen with, with our gym but listen I am at the gym nearly every day we graft, we're growing yeah, the Fit Factory is getting its name out there. It's becoming so busy. <clears throat> We've just launched our prep meals now as well. So it's like all the, you know, the food element to it. And that's a whole business in itself. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing like everything we can, the personal training. We, we've got amazing trainers and like, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but we have an amazing team mm. and amazing front of house. Like if you, if you talk to people in the gym, it's, it's like a family, yeah. not just the staff, yeah, but the I members, the members and the clients as yeah, well. I mean, yeah. 
we've known you eight nine months, months. yeah 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 and you've like, how close are you to everyone at the gym 100 you know yeah i'll tell you something that might make your day i don't know if i told you this but we, we we went out for leaving drinks the other week and then we were just saying about the members of the gym that stuff we were talking and then it was like who's who's one of the favorite members of the gym and like most people said ah oh, george george podcast yeah they were like he's such oh, a nice guy such a nice guy yeah, i'm privileged do you know what i mean so yeah i thought i'd tell you that yeah do you know do you know what i think the thing i love about your place is i can just relate to a lot of people in your yeah yeah just everyone's got quite a good heart they're good people yeah and there's no there's not really i know massive, we're a gym no massive egos no, that's there, what i was gonna it? say i know we're a gym in cockfosters which is you know quite upmarket and that but Honestly, the members and clients mm. at our gym are so nice. It's always everyone's smiling all the time, and everyone wants to help people. We've, we've yeah. created like a little network, a little hub. You've got to work with some really um, interesting people as well, haven't you? Like from a clientele point of view, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You've um, with Jan Janemeyer for a long time. Janemeyer, I mean, Janemeyer is more a friend now than anything. Like, but we we met years and years ago, um, f just through the Greek circuit and stuff, and and that, and then I started training him about five six years ago off and on and then he's recently come back to the gym um yeah, yeah. but he's come back as like a friend not not yeah. client sort of thing and yeah he's you know he's very inspirational as well because you know what i mean look what he's achieved in his life and that and you know i when i used to train him i'd I, I pick his brain like all my clients they've got yeah, like yeah, a know. job your brother's like, insane your my brother's brother my brother's worse than me you know <laughs> he, he might as well have a, a, a meeting with him like you know <laughs> yeah. if they're in property so uh <laughs> do you pay vat on this or yeah. da, 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 uh, are we gonna are we gonna boxing train yeah, oh, no. in, a minute, yeah in a minute you've got yeah. a minute rest yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got a water and dress so yeah no we're very again we're students of life and we always want to learn Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's been there's been a lot of lot of people in my life that I've you know I've trained and and had the pleasure of, and it doesn't matter who they are. Like I train kids to yeah. to people who are famous, to to people who want to fight. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm I want to share my knowledge of of boxing, and at the same time pursue my passion of acting. Yeah, and, and grow my gym. Ah, that's wicked. That's, yeah. that's great stuff. Do you know what? I'm um, I'm definitely excited to see where it um, where your next acting. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, job's well, and I'm certainly looking forward to the series that's coming out as well. Yeah, so I'll look for it. I mean, I'm going to promote it and I'll let you guys know. But it will be hopefully either end of this year or spring next year. Amazing. Just because the strikes push things back a little bit. But when that comes out, I think that's going to be a big thing for me. I'm praying it is. And yeah, yeah. internationally, people will see me. Not just in Britain. I don't, I don't doubt that, mate. Yeah. I don't doubt it. So, but yeah, I'm wishing yeah. you all the best anyway. Thank you. And uh, thank, thank you, you so much for coming on today, bro. Thank I really appreciate it. Well. it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and uh, until next time. Until next time. I'll well, probably see you tomorrow. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> training. <laughs> Definitely. <Go on. laughs>